text for the sermon this afternoon is Philippians 1, the verses 6 and 9. First verse 6, being confident of this very thing that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. And then verse 9, and this I pray that your love may abound still more and more in knowledge and all discernment. So far the text. Congregation, young sisters about to profess, publicly profess your faith. Why would you profess your faith? Why do you want to profess your faith? I think you've thought about that. You've been asked about that a lot over the past while, Megan and Vanessa. And if it's asked, besides the fact that you wish to take part in the Lord's Supper, you and all of us might be inclined to answer a question like that, something like, well, because I want to serve um, my Savior, Jesus Christ, or because I seek my life outside of myself in Christ. And those are noble answers, but is that really what brings one to make public profession of their faith? Is that, would that be the root answer? Because I want this and I have that. If you think about those kind of responses we touched on before by themselves, then it's basically, it is about you. You Focus the attention on yourself with those kind of answers, because I want to follow Jesus or so. Then it's as if faith and, and profession of faith are completely your choice, your doing, totally. And it's not good to think in those terms, because if it really was up to you yourselves alone, then in a few years you wouldn't believe anymore. Maybe even next week. Because faith... A true faith is always under pressure from within and from without. And if it's completely up to us to choose and to stay in faith, I'm afraid that the church of Christ would long have ceased to exist anymore. No, we begin with God's choice. And that's where the Apostle Paul begins too when he wants to encourage the believers in that young congregation there in Philippi. And with that in mind, I preach to you the Word of God this afternoon with this theme, Paul's encouragement for believers. We see three things, what he confesses about them, what he promises them, and what he prays for them. So first of all, what he confesses about those believers. In his letter to the Philippians, the Apostle Paul, right after he gives his greetings in, thanks God for the believers there and for their fellowship with him and each other. And then he writes in our text, he's confident that he who has begun a good work in you will also bring it to completion. He who began a good work in you. 
if you think about that statement, then you realize that 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 means that faith starts with God. Because he is God. He gives faith in the first place. So it's ultimately not from yourself, out of yourself. And it, it can't be out of us, ourselves. Because by nature, there's nothing in us that even asks for the Lord, that even seeks for him. By nature, we seek our lives in ourselves. And we notice that sometimes, right? When we often, so often, all too often, think about ourselves first. Or when time and again, other things want to be more important than the Lord in our hearts and lives. We can catch ourselves at it. It's a constant battle for us to keep Christ as the center of our life. If the Lord had not been first, you would never ever have believed in the first place. Because then you remain blind to your own sins and your needs, your need for salvation. You'd merely keep walking right towards your doom without realizing it. But God began a good work in you, in spite of you even, against your own will even. God began a good work in you and won you for himself, for his son, so that you want to love and serve him, follow him. Even if nobody can do it perfectly, you want to. Oh, how, how he begins that good work in you is different with every believer. You know, if you think about the congregation there in Philippi, you had Lydia, whose heart was opened by the Lord when she was worshiping with Jewish women at the place by the river. She knew God she worshipped there with other Jewish women and the gospel was made uh, full to her by the Apostle Paul. And there was a jailer, the jailer in Philippi. He was so distraught at those uh, he was guarding because he thought that they had escaped because of that earthquake. He was ready to commit suicide at the time, to end his life. And then Paul, you remember, cried out to him, And calmed him. And he sat in his house and proclaimed the gospel to him and his family. And he believed. Quite quickly, actually. And there was Timothy. Who Paul also mentioned in his letter to the Philippians. Timothy. Who was instructed in the gospel truth from childhood on by his mother and his grandmother. From childhood on. All different. But in every case, it wasn't the person who chose for the Lord, but the Lord who brought to faith, worked that in their hearts by his spirit through the gospel. None of them could say, look, I wanted, I sought, I chose, I obtained salvation in Christ. They didn't say, I invited him into my heart, as you often hear in the evangelical world today. No, they said with Paul, God began a good work in me. He began a good work in me in spite of me. And the credit is his. All his. And see, it's a, it's a sign of true faith when you acknowledge 
that it didn't start with you. That goes against your nature. It would never have come up in your own mind to embrace Jesus Christ. If you have a faith that that doesn't go against your own nature, that doesn't forcibly have to push its way into your heart and life every time again, I'm afraid that's not true faith. Then you have a self-made, self-centered kind of faith, imitation faith that is designed to make you happy with yourself, to make you happy that you're going to go to heaven. But it's not true faith. It's not true faith then. It won't survive when it runs into opposition from within or without. It'll flourish enthusiastically as long as it doesn't meet any trials or bring any struggles. But as soon as you run into trials or persecutions, that faith will wilt pretty quickly. Like the seed that fell among the rocks in Jesus' parable of the sower. Nicely, it just jumped out of the ground or sprang up as soon as the heat of the sun beat down on it, though it dried up. No, if you don't have faith which goes against your own nature and causes struggle in yourself, you're fooling yourself. Real faith is faith that goes against your own nature and is planted by God and watered by God and given growth by God and for which God receives and will receive all praise. But it goes against your own nature. Now, Megan and Vanessa, you're about to publicly profess your faith here this afternoon. And that then includes confessing that it was God who initiated that faith with you. And now, maybe you can think, well, you know, why was I, of all people, given this faith? Why me, out of all the people, possible people, Why did he begin this work in me? Well, again, not because of you, because of anything in you yourself, simply because he set his heart on you and loved you. You were born to believers, and he loves you. And when, actually, when did he love you? When did he start to love you? Actually, already from eternity. And his electing grace. He wanted you. Not because of anything in you. Not just, just because he loved you. That's, that was it. And you know if you accept that. Right? If that, that God. That it all comes from him like that. And he starts it. Then that's an encouraging thing to know. Then it doesn't all depend on yourself then believers aren't people who have lifted themselves up to achieve a certain level of righteousness and, and worthiness and who are able to maintain that level for a certain period of time and that they catch God's eye. Oh, yeah. No. Then faith is for sinners who would never have chosen God of themselves, who by nature would rather follow their own desires than to follow Jesus Christ. So there's no need to think, I made myself worthy of God, and I need to keep doing that, or at least keep up the show of that. No, the gospel is that God 
began the good work in you. It's from him. How did he do that? He works by means of his word. Parents opened the word, took you to church, and in that word he he commands, repent and believe, confess your sins, unworthiness, and come to me. Repeats that every time again. Every time you sit under the gospel and every time you crack open the Bible at home, powerfully repeated in the sacraments shown there. And through those means, God works with his spirit. He breaks down the resistance in your heart, softens the heart which is of itself hard as a rock, so that then you hold out your hands to him and reach out for the Savior. Word and sacrament, you see, they push you into a corner so that you say, Lord Jesus, help me, save me. It's only you can do that. Put an end to my selfishness. Let me live for you. That's the good work. God begins in believers. We come to the second part of the sermon then to what the apostle promises those believers. Congregation, Megan and Vanessa, because it's God who began that work in believers in Philippi. Paul was also confident that he who began a good work in them would continue it and complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. In other words, Paul was confident they would arrive in heaven. Confident that they would persevere in faith to the end of their lives. Through trials, through personal troubles, through an accident, through persecution, it can get very tough for them, and most likely it did. We read that whole chapter, and it appears that there was persecution and affliction for them. But their faith, he says, I'm confident that it will endure. That God will complete the work that he began. He won't leave it unfinished. And what exactly, again, is that good work that Paul speaks about? Well, he he puts it there in verse 5, your fellowship in the gospel. He says, some translations have sharing in the gospel. I believe that's a, a nice way of putting it. The good work God has begun and will complete is then the faith which shares in all the promises of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Shares in everything that Jesus Christ has accomplished by suffering, death, resurrection, and ascension. Forgiveness of sins, renewal of heart, strength to live for him every day, being with Christ after death, resurrection of your body, eternal joy, sharing, fellowship, and all those things. And see, when you have that fellowship, when you share in the gospel through faith, that's going to bring a change in your life. It does. It becomes noticeable in your life that God has begun that work and is working to complete it. Paul noticed that with the believers in Philippi. He noticed it. You become hungry for the word of God. And that means you become faithful in attending worship services. You don't want to miss it. You love to hear the gospel. You, as it were, hang on Jesus' lips. You want to be where the gospel is open. Maybe you didn't at first, but you're drawn to it. And belonging to the church became not just something through parents, but it becomes a living membership. You become interested 
in, in what goes on in the church. You're interested in your brothers and sisters. Interested in supporting worship and ministry and mission. Pray for the bringing of the pure gospel of Jesus Christ. The believers in Philippi prayed for Paul. They, they sent him financial support. They were concerned about the well-being of the other believers. That's how God begins and pushes us to completion. That good work with his spirit. Works love for Christ. Expressed in love for the gospel. Love for Christ's church. Instead of just reading Chatelaine or McLean's. They consume the mission pamphlets and the church magazines. Because they're interested in the progress of the gospel. There's interest there. Instead of only spending money on this hobby or that interest, you also first also think of giving for the Lord and the progress of the gospel of Christ. Maybe you, you wrestle over that in your, your heart. I would like to do this, but I know this is good too. But you want to. You want to. Instead of surfing for interesting websites all over the internet, which you can do all day long, you look up the, pro- the projects which are supported by the congregation. Adoration Christian Center. You take interest in that work. And you can bring them forward in prayer. So you notice in, in those kind of things, the fellowship in the gospel, you're sharing by faith in the good news of Jesus Christ. Sharing in Christ. It brings that kind of interest and excitement about it the gospel and its progress and God will will continue that work in you will complete that work which he began in you says Paul that sharing in the gospel that love for Jesus Christ God begins he completes those are bookends and everything in between is his doing. Your, your faith in and life for Christ, which God first worked in you, will in the end become reality. And that's a wonder of God's grace and power. For sometimes we wonder, will we be able to continue in faith to the end? Will I remain faithful if this happens or that comes? Will I be able to stand firm in Christ tomorrow when I'm among my co-workers who don't know Christ? Will I be able to hold fast to my faith if I experience something terrible like a life-changing accident the day after tomorrow? Or a loved one is taken away from, from me? Will I be able to continue in Christ next week when everything goes my way and everything is so good? And then the devil is there with his deceptions and wants to draw me away, maybe just little by little. Or if it was just up to us, if we, we had to continue to the end on our own, we would, we would certainly lose our love for Christ. Our faith would slip away. The devil would, would draw us away for sure. Maybe a, yet we'd be nice people on the outside, but with Christ, without Christ inside, without Love for his gospel. We'd be empty. Empty shell. But God says that God will bring the work he started. He'll bring that to completion. He will uphold us. Bring us to our goal. The day of Jesus Christ. All the way to the day of Christ's return in glory. When body and soul will be reunited. And we can live with him eternally in his perfect joy. 
He's not going to leave you over to yourselves even for a moment. You can believe that. He carries you along to the end of your life and the end of time. And the canons of Dort, in the canons of Dort, we can confess the perseverance of the saints. And they state, it states there so beautifully, chapter 5, article 3. And I quote here, because of these remnants of indwelling sin and also because of the temptations of the world and of Satan, those who have been converted do not remain standing in that grace if left in their own strength. They could not. But God is faithful who mercifully confirms them in that grace once conferred on them and powerfully preserves them in that grace to the end. It's his work. He starts it. He completes it. Continues it to completion. And what a joy if you see that and experience that in you. He does it. And that's why it's indestructible, really. And he seals that work of his at the Lord's Supper. To which you, Vanessa and Megan, have requested admission. Seals his sure promise to complete the work he started in you. He seals that with bread and wine at the Lord's Supper. With the bread and wine there, the Lord says to you, I I began this work in you, and now I'm nourishing you in faith in my Son, and I will keep you standing in Christ. I'll complete the work I started in you to the end. And when you partake there every time again, the bread and wine in faith, confessing your complete dependence on God and Jesus Christ, he does, as he says. What, what, a, what an uplifting experience that is then, the Lord's Supper celebration. And then all, in all the uncertainties of this life and your own life, he gives you confidence again that he'll complete what he began in you. And not because of you, but in spite of you. And because of Christ, you can know you're on the way to the eternal marriage feast of the Lamb then. We arrive at the last part of the sermon this afternoon. Paul prays for the believers. Now, congregation, Vanessa, Megan, you'd think, okay, if those believers in Philippi could know that God who began that work, good work of joining them to Christ by faith will also complete that work, then it's going to be clear sailing for them. They basically, yeah, they would have some struggles, but they, they, could, they had it made in the shade. They could become complacent even. Paul doesn't talk in terms of complacency at all, really. He prays to God that they may grow and increase more and more in love. You see, and that's because love can't stand still. Love is a relationship that can't stand still. It's either growing or it's dying. It's one or the other. And Paul prays that their love may abound still more and more. Grow. The love that belongs with faith is love that grows and increases. That's how you know yourself a believer. When there's love for God and Christ and for your neighbor. Increasing. 
That's something to think about, first of all, here. It can happen that church members regularly dishonor God with their lives instead of honoring him in love, even if they've professed their faith. You sometimes hear, about, uh, hear things about church members. Like, you know, you don't know what they're doing on that Saturday night. You don't know how much alcohol they consumed and how they behaved with each other. Or you should know how those two treat each other. Pure bitterness. And then you wonder about the faith, about the love for the Savior, and about the love for the neighbors. But congregation, it's either growing or dying. And Paul was anxious that, that, that the love there in Philippi was growing in the congregation of Philippi. Thankful for the faith of the congregation, but praying that their love would abound Overflow, become deeper, fuller all the time. The love for God and for Christ and for the neighbor, in other words, can grow stronger and stronger and more abundant. It's never enough. It's something that you want to increase and improve all the time if you're a believer. You want to increase in that. Paul writes, chapter 3, I press on, he says, that I may lay hold of that which Christ has laid hold of, for which Christ has laid hold of me. I want to, to become what Christ wants to make of me. And do you, do you recognize then that desire to move on and become more like Christ in love, to grow in that? Self-satisfaction and complacency, they can't be with believers. Complacency in the sense of, I'm happy with the way I am. I'm happy to stay the way I am now. God better take me the way I am now or forget about it. That attitude in which there's no desire or zeal to grow in love and faithfulness, that means the decline of spiritual life. Paul's prayer is something we all need. That our love may abound still more and more. And that that love may abound, writes Paul, in knowledge and discernment. Knowledge. Knowledge of God. Of his being, his deeds through his word. Knowledge of God who is so holy that one sin arouses eternal wrath with him. And at the same time, God, who is so loving and gracious, rather than leave our sin unpunished, he punished it in his one and only son, Jesus Christ. That knowledge, that has to come from the Bible, knowing, from knowing the Bible. The whole Bible, it's one story you can't understand unless you read and know the whole thing as much as you can. Grow in the knowledge of God and of Jesus Christ, his son, from his word. And the more you, you grow in that, the more love abounds too. They go together. And all discernment. And that begins with knowing God's will from his word. But the Bible doesn't prescribe what God's will is for every situation you're going to come across in life. But knowing and love makes you sensitive to what pleases God and what doesn't. You know, like a, a married couple. I know what he or she likes and what they don't. You know them. And you know God in that way in love too. In what you watch and what you read and where you go, you become more and more sensitive in love to the will of your Lord and, and Savior. 
would the Lord Jesus feel at home here? Right now, in my home, with what I'm doing here? Would he come and sit beside me and watch this movie with me? Would he, would he do that? You, you become more and more discerning in what the will of God is. And then you become uncomfortable with things you had no problem with before. And then you start to enjoy things more and more that you had little interest in before. And you, you ask yourself if this or that is pleasing to your Father in Christ. Before you, you go there. That's, that's a growing in love. Then you don't think, how far can I go and still be counted a believer? How can I minimize my obedience to God and still be reckoned, you know, or still go to heaven maybe? Then you think, how can I live closer to God? How can I please my Lord and Savior more today than yesterday? And when you grow in love like that, you're also able to discern priorities in your life. You understand what's important in life and what's not important. There's so many possibilities and choices to make every day. Work, sports, you know, chilling out, reading a magazine or book, watching a movie, surfing the internet, helping somebody take part in the life of the church. You, you need to discern what's worth spending your time on and energy and what is not. And use the time and the the abilities God gives you wisely. Otherwise, you end up wasting a lot of time and energy on useless things, things that don't further your life in the Lord. I pray that love may abound in all knowledge and discernment, says Paul, that you grow in those things. And that's a prayer for all of us, and then also today, especially for these sisters about to make profession of their faith. Because we're all on this journey through this life toward that fullness that is coming on the day of Jesus Christ. When faith becomes sight and everything that can hinder our love is taken away. Congregation, Mega, Megan, Vanessa, let's give thanks for God's work in us. Let's be confident that he will continue that to the end. And then let's, in between, grow and abound in love for him and for our Savior and for one another in knowledge and all discernment. Amen. Let us pray. Lord God, thank you for the assurance that you're faithful and that you will finish the good work you, you started in believers. Also, the good work you began in the sisters who are about to profess their faith now. Thank you that you also show that we need to and we can seek growth in faith through word and sacrament, that we can seek that from you. We trust that you want to work that in us. We praise you for your glorious work then because it's all from you. The planting, the growth, the harvest of fruit, it all is about you and from you. Help us then to look to you always, to stay close to you always. We thank and praise you then in the name of Jesus Christ who has worked all this for us. Amen.